Come on, praise the Lord. He's in the house this morning. Amen. Lord, I just... You know, the, here's the thing. God can do more in a second in His presence than we can do with all of our songs and all of our sounds and all of our lots and all of our trees and all of my preparation and all of that. God can do more in a second than I can. And... And I'm, I want to be sensitive to that. I want to be, I want God to have his way in this place. I said it this morning during prayer. We meet every morning for prayer and um, after we do sound check and stuff. And I told him, I was like, I want God to come in. I said, we have our agendas. We have our plans. We have what, you know, something in mind for God to do. And, and I said, but I want him to do what he wants to do. Amen. So this morning, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be reading from there, and if you are tuning in for the first time, or you've not been here before, and you're wondering why in the world we have all these trees and you know all of the uh, Christmas decoration up, we're doing Christmas in July, and uh, so I'm I'm super pleased to say that God's done some amazing things through the month of July here at Free Spirit Chapel, and me personally, hopefully in you as well. Um, we also have our giving tree in the back. What that is is we're putting a we're, we're giving donations for children for December. So we do have a, a rhyme and a reason for what we're doing. But uh, we want to bless people. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm blessed to be a blessing. That's what Scripture tells me. That, that I am here and God has blessed me to bless others. And, and I'm a firm believer that the Bible says that God will give seed to the sower. And whatever I allow to go through my hand, He will put in my hand. I want you to hear that this morning. I'm going to say that. And, and I'm not just talking about finances, but I'm just talking about whatever. Whatever God has given me, if I allow it to go through my hand, He will give me more of it. Are you saying, Pastor Joe, that God is going to uh, give you more money? Yes, but to give it away. Oh, Pastor Joe, are you a prosperity preacher? No, I'm not. I believe that God gives to us so we can give to others. Amen. And, you know, and so I just, I want it to be known this morning that we are a church that gives. We are a church that serves. We are a church that loves. We are a church that will do the crazy to see people come to Jesus. Come on, somebody. I'm just speaking, speaking prophetically for a minute, but we'll do anything and everything short of sinning to see someone saved. Come on, somebody. We are that church. And, and if people want to call us that church, I'm okay with that. Oh, you go to that church. Yeah, I do. I go to that church. I'm a part of that church. Yeah, God, God will use it all. He'll use every bit of it. Amen. But Luke chapter 2, we're going to read this morning. Before we read, I want to start off with this. I played baseball when I was a kid from coach pitch up to my eighth grade year. And I played outfield for a long time, you know, and uh, I played catcher for a long time. And let me just be honest with you, I was no good. That's why I was in outfield. If you know anything about Little League Baseball, they put those who are not any good out in the outfield and pray that if a ball goes to them, they'll catch it. And, uh, but I was, I was no good. And, uh, but I will say this, I was part of a really, really good team. Um, the, the pitcher on our team, his dad was the coach. And so um, by luck of the draw, what would happen is, is every year as his son would progress to another stage in Little League, the dad would go with him as the coach. And they got to pick 
the kids that were going to come on their team. So every year, this guy would pick the same people. And it was a team that we grew together. We played ball together every year. So as we got older, we got better. And except for Joe, Joe did not get better. Okay. And so, um, but the, the team itself got better. The team itself got better. And one game, I will never forget this because it's like, you know, I don't know if any of the other men in here have trophy moments in your life where you're like super proud of what happened. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel cool. It might be a big deer that's on your wall, maybe a fish that you've caught or something like that. This is one of my trophy moments as a kid. But uh, for some reason, this particular game, I hit the ball. You know, it's I know it's obscure, right? Never really happened. I hit the ball and I got on first base and then somebody else hit and I got on second base and then someone else hit and I got on third base. Now, let me just make this very clear. Third base for me was a very unknown territory. Okay? <laughs> you know, I was, I was not familiar with what happened and how it worked, you know? And so, and so here's the thing. I'll never forget it. I'm on third base. I'm nervous. I'm sweaty. You know, I'm excited. Uh, and so the next batter up, he hits the ball and it, and it squeaks past second base. And in my excitement, I didn't know what to do because I'd never been there before. And I was like, oh, you know, and I was like, should, should I go? Should I not go? Well, again, bases were loaded. I was like, should I go? Should I not go? Should I go? And, and the coach was finally like, go. Well, by this time, the second baseman had already got to the, <laughs> to the ball. And as I was running towards home, the, the second baseman threw the ball, and I slid, right, to, to score for my team. And as I slid, it threw dust everywhere. It was a dust pile. And the ump couldn't see if I had touched the base or not. And so literally, it was like time stood still. Time just froze. And, and the dust just cleared. And we didn't know if I was safe. We didn't know if I was out. I was laying on my stomach somehow, don't know. <laughs> Again, unknown territory. And so I'm laying there, and I look at the catcher, and he looks at me. He has the ball in his hand. I look at the catcher, and he looks at me. And before he could touch me, I slapped home plate. And they counted me safe. And the whole, <laughs> the, it was just so intense. And the whole dugout charged me. And I felt like the coolest kid on the block. I was like, this is awesome. You know, I scored a point. And it, I was the most unlikely person for that event to have happened to. And, but it meant so much to me. And, and the thing is, is that sometimes I think that, that because we have gotten used to being so unlikely, we don't feel like those moments will ever come for us, right? So let's, uh, let's read Luke chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, we're going to put it on the screen. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and we're going to read a little bit of lengthy reading, but just hang out with me, okay? So verse number 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over the flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. That's me right there. You know, remember how I said last uh, two weeks ago that whenever angels appeared in the Bible, they were scary looking. Something not normal to what we would see, right? They had like six wings and like all these eyes and stuff. So no wonder they're like, do not be afraid, you know? So all these angels show up and the Bible says that they were terrified. Verse number 10. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. See, for look, I proclaim you the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for that. Who is the Messiah and the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. And when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and let's see what happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried and they found baby. Uh, they found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. A couple more verses. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they told. Can we pray? Lord, we just ask right now, God, that you do what you want to do in this moment. Remove Joe from the equation, because if it's just me, I'll mess it up. I've got to have your presence. I've got to have your spirit, God. Lord, we ask that you just till open our hearts, you pull back the layers, and you change who we are from the inside. And everybody said, amen. So the past three weeks, we've been talking about this characters of Christmas. We talked about Elizabeth. And, and her husband, and we talked about Mary, and we talked about Joseph, and we talked about how this whole thing has not been tidy, it's not been clean. You know, Western culture gives us this weird idea of what Christmas looked like, right? And the truth is, is that Christmas was a lot different than what Western culture tells us. Uh, we see the nativity scenes all the time, right, in our front yards. And I don't know why we make them glow, but it's just something we chose to do. And, you know, we have, uh, we have camels and we have ho uh, horses and, and donkeys and, and, and the magi that were there, the wise men. And then we have the shepherds and, and, like, all of them are just huddled around this little manger. And we're like, that's so precious. That's so cute. You know, it looks so nice. It makes my front yard look great. You know, and we, we see all of these things and, and we just skim through a monumental moment in the Christian faith. We, we breeze through, don't get me wrong, I like rocking around the Christmas tree. I like Holly Jolly Christmas. I don't think there's anybody who can sing Christmas songs like the Pentatonics. But the truth is, is that we skim through we have a moment of fake bliss and joy and we say we are so thankful that Jesus came but we miss the reality of what it looked like. And I just want to reiterate that this morning. There is much, much more to this story than a young couple having a baby that changed the world. It literally wraps, it, it encapsulates us as people and God as God and it tells this amazing story long before Jesus ever got to the cross. Long before Jesus ever got to the cross. So try to picture the scene this morning, okay? So it was a warm evening, and, and in the hills outside of Bethlehem, right? 
uh, there were flocks of sheep. They were bedding down. They were getting ready to rest for the night. And fires had been made. And these shepherd boys are hanging around this fire trying to just stay a little warm. And, and so here's the thing. They, uh, and the way they would work, this is a beautiful scene. The way they would work is they would put these sheep inside of these um, almost like man-made circles. And, and these shepherds would build fires to keep them and the sheep warm, but they would sleep in the doorway of those circles so predators couldn't get the sheep. All right? And that's a different sermon. I could preach that at a different time. But these, these men, they, they began to uh, do everything that they would normally do. They spent their lifetimes, right? doing this and they were used to the uh, to the elements and they were they were used to what it looked like and and they probably had an odor to them because they hung out with sheep and I would imagine that they were unkept and un, you know and unclean and I would you know and that's just speculation but in reality we got to think these men lived with animals they lived with the roaming animal and what animals produce. Come on, somebody, if you know what I'm saying. I don't have to get into that, uh, that detail this morning. But they lived amongst it. And then all of a sudden, normal night, right? Then all of a sudden, the sky lights up and there's an angel that appears to them. And this angel declares the good news and says that there's good news for you and there's good news for everybody else. This good news, it, it spoke about in Luke 2 and 10, it included the shepherds whom God chose. I want you to hear this. It included the shepherds that God chose to share the word about Messiah's birth. Okay? So here's the thing. All my life, shepherds, wise men, gifts, Right? And then come, come actual Christmas time, we're going to debunk some of those things. And we're going to talk about some of that stuff. But however, today I want you to grab this. All my life, I thought it was normal for shepherds to go and tell and see Jesus. I thought that was a normal occurrence. I thought that was, there was nothing obscure about that. Okay? But I want you to hear me this morning. It was very obscure. It was a very obscure thing. But why shepherds? Let me say this. The Jews living during the time of Jesus would have seen God choosing shepherds as unusual. It would have been very unusual. Now remember, the, the Jewish people was wanting a Messiah not to come and save them from their spiritual prison, but from their physical prison. They thought that Jesus was going to come and they thought, or, or the Messiah, they didn't know it was Jesus, but they thought He was going to come and overthrow their tyrant government and He was going to save the Jewish people and reestablish the Jewish, um, the Jewish kingdom. That's what they thought. Okay? So this whole time, they're waiting on this, this amazing announcement of the coming Messiah. And God chooses... Stinky guys out in a field. <laughs> so here's the thing. Scripture, throughout Scripture, we see that God valued shepherds. He talked about shepherds. He talked about how He is the good shepherd, right? 
He talked about how he's the shepherd and Israel's the flock. He talked about how over time uh, that, that, that there was going to come a good shepherd. But over time, Jewish people begin to shift the way that they viewed shepherds. Okay? And by the time Jesus entered the world, Jews did not have a high opinion of shepherds. Did you know that? They, they thought badly about them. I'm going to preach. I know I am. Anyway, the thing that we learn about this is that God had good news for everyone, kings and shepherds. And by announcing the birth of Jesus first to shepherds, God is showing everyone in society, hear me, that they can play a pivotal role in helping build the kingdom. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God chose me. I, I, if, if I'm honest, I'm not worthy to stand here. The only thing that makes me worthy is Jesus. But I'm thankful that He chose me. I'm thankful that He gave me a calling. I'm thankful that He wants to use me to build His kingdom. Flaws and all. Come on, somebody. Flaws and all. So how the shepherd was viewed in Jesus' time, it wasn't favorably at all. It wasn't favorably at all. And they were despised. Check this out. They were despised by religious authorities. How many people's ever met somebody who's what I would call oversaved, super religious? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> super religious. And, and you can't, like, I'm talking about the people who rebuke the devil out of their dirt devil vacuum cleaner. You know what I'm saying? Like, they find a demon and everything. There's something going on, and, and they're, just, they're just super spiritual, but you can't do anything without them nitpicking you apart. Y'all ever met those types of people? We call them Pharisees. They're not fair, you see. Okay? They're Sadducees. They're always sad, you see. And the truth is, is that, that religious authorities didn't like shepherds, and sometimes religious authorities don't like people who, who bear the real message of the Lord. Amen? But these are there's religious authorities of the temple. They were such... They had such a strong negative view of the shepherd that they kept them from participating in religious ceremonies. Ain't that wild? And, and the thing is, is there was actually something that they call the, uh, the Mishnah, which, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But anyway, they, they wouldn't allow them to, to participate in religious ceremonies. And I want you to think about that. We're told, <laughs> I love this, we're told that the first person to whom God announced the birth of the Messiah to, was told that they couldn't even enter into the temple of the Lord. Can I make a statement here that might sound that might break some religious boxes in the room this morning? There are some people that are closer to God that never darken the door of a church. And we can sit here sometimes on our on our shelves, with our pompous attitudes and our self-righteous indignations. And we can look at them and say, God's nowhere near you. And they're closer to God than we are. And I think, and, and I want to be honest with you this morning, I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be that church. Yesterday, and I was trying to hold this for later, but yesterday when we were at the, uh, the Granger County Tomato Festival, and we were all we all we done was handed out waters, 
and we had a banner that said, how can we pray for you? Can I make this known? People will tell you that they need prayer when you ask them if they need prayer. <laughs> and it's an opportunity. I was amazed. I was amazed at the amount of people that come up to us. And they needed prayer. And they wanted us to pray for them. But I was also amazed too that the amount of godly people that walk around this area that we are quick to judge because they don't look like us. And they don't sound like us. And they don't smell like us. And, that, and, and I want to break that mold. There was people yesterday that we prayed for that I knew wasn't living godly lifestyles. And, and you know what? I still hugged them. I still embraced them. And I still loved on them. Because God wants them as much as He wants us. Come on, somebody. God announced the birth of the Messiah to people we were told that religious people do not like. That's amazing to me. Because I don't ever want to get to the point where I feel like I got it all together and no one else has it. We ain't going to function that way, amen? I'm just, we're setting some stuff in line in the place this morning. <laughs> Truly the birth of Jesus was good news to all people. All people. The young, the old, the rich, the poor. And the social outcasts. Can I make this statement to you this morning? God spoke to the shepherds, but He didn't remove the smell. What do you mean by that, Pastor Joe? Well, here's the thing. Like I said, shepherds smell like sheep. Shepherds smell like the thing that they dwell amongst. That's good, and I'll get into that a little bit more in a second. But I was telling you a second ago about the Mishnah. That's a Jewish oral tradition. And it includes passages about shepherds. And it says this about shepherds. It says they're incompetent. And that if a shepherd falls into a pit, no one should be obligated to rescue them. Imagine being a shepherd in a society where the religious leaders taught that if you were trapped and needed help, no one should feel obligated to help you. Pretend you're headed somewhere and your tire blows out and you find yourself stuck on the side of the road. But you know no one's going to help you because the leaders of your country have taught everyone that it's perfectly fine for them to pass right beside you and pass someone like you up. That's the social standing that shepherds were in in that time. And then angels announced to them the birth of the Messiah. A shepherd, he'll lead. But they won't do it without the presence of what's around them being around them, right? Shepherds smell like sheep. God didn't come to these men and say, get up, get dressed in your nicest clothes, <laughs> wash your stanky beard, I've got some news for you. He didn't say that, did he? God didn't come to them and say, look, you know what? I'm thankful that you take care of the creation. Um but I've got something different for you, so quit shepherding. He didn't come to him and say, I was going to say something to you, but never mind. <laughs> he didn't do that. I just realized you were shepherds. You don't count. You know, it, he didn't do that. 
the thought that we have to have it all together. The thought that we need to get it all, all your, your T's crossed and your I's dotted and, and the cleanliness of God and the righteousness of God. We, we feel like we have to do everything right before God wants to reveal anything to us. And I want you to hear me this morning. And I want to make it very plain and I want to make it very clear. That is a lie from the pits of hell. And the reason why is God wants to use us even though we stink. God wants to use us. And truth be told is if we believe the enemy and say, I've got to get myself together. I've got to get myself right. I'm not accepted in the culture of church. Come on, somebody. I'm not, I don't fit that mold. I'll never fit that mold. Uh, in fact, I don't even know why I try. I, I've had people tell me before that I'll come to church, I've just got to get some stuff right first. Y'all ever heard that? I, I've got, you know, there's some things in my life I've got to change before I get to the church. And that's a lie that the enemy has fed us. And there's people in this church right now that the lie, that, that same lie, God, He wants to break off of you this morning because you've believed it for too long that you have to change and you have to get everything nice and right and you can't be a shepherd anymore. Can I be honest with you this morning? I had to come to grips with who God created me to be. And that's when I become most effective. You know, for, for a long period of time, I went through this phase where I was like, I want to preach like this preacher. I want to sound like this singer. I want to wear these clothes. I want to do this. And then God said, but this is who you are. And when I learned who I was, and I stopped trying to put on this cloak of identity that didn't fit me, I realized then and I realized there that God wants me even if what I do sometimes goes against religious authorities, even if sometimes what I do doesn't look normal, even if what I do doesn't, doesn't seem right, even if what I do sometimes stinks, I had to come to grips and realize that, that this was part of God's plan. Not only does God love the outcast, He wants the outcast. I'm going to say that again. Not only does God love the outcast, he wants the outcast. And like I, I put my arms around a guy yesterday and he was just weeping. And when you have a grown man fall into you weeping. And the Lord said, I love him. I love him. And all I could do was just love on him because that was the gift of God for that man. Come on somebody. And not only does he want the outcast and love the outcast, he wants the outcast. Come on. We get it twisted sometimes. <laughs> we get it so turned and, and we think that life has to look a certain way. Now, I want you to understand what I'm saying this morning. When I say that, that it doesn't matter who you are and what you do, I'm not saying that that's a free ride to sin. I'm not saying that that's a free ride to live how you want to and expect God to use you. But the truth is, is we often think that I have to look a certain way, sound a certain way, act a certain way, and be a certain way for God to use us. That is far from the truth. If God can use a donkey, He can use a Joe. 
And I want you to hear me this morning. Pastor Joe, what are you trying to teach us? I'm trying to teach you that every single one of you have a God-given purpose to be able to go out and share the gospel. Proclaim the good news that Messiah has come. That's what the gospel is. Pastor Joe, I just, I, I can't do that. Why? Why? I saw all kinds of people yesterday that wanted to talk to us. That wanted prayer. That, that their souls are searching for something. And they've yet to be approached by somebody with the answer. That's good news. That's good news. You know, and, and, and we come in, I came into this territory when I began to pastor here and I thought everybody in Rutledge knew who Jesus was. Everybody saved in Rutledge. You know what I'm saying? And if you ask them, they're saved and they go to church. But truth be told, they're, they're lost and they're broken and God has something for them. And can I give you some really good news this morning? You are the extension cord to their answer. I believe in the room this morning that God wants to do amazing things in Rutledge, Tennessee. And He wants to do it through every person in this room. If He would choose stinky, useless shepherds to be the first to declare the message of the coming Messiah. He'll use some people in a small church in Rutledge, Tennessee to change this city. To change this city. You see, the angels described the birth of Jesus as news that was great, of great joy. And Luke's Gospel in particular shows us that from the very beginning, Christ came to redeem people from all levels of society. This is good news. This is the good news of Christmas. That no matter what season of your life you find yourself in, you can now be on the shadow of a doubt know that you are loved by God and He delights in you. He loves you and He delights in you. Whether you're in your twilight years or whether you're young and unsure of your future, God can still and will still use you for eternal purposes. Pastor Joe, my time has passed. If you're above ground, you still got time. Pastor Joe, I've got things I want to get done first. One of the greatest things I ever done was laid aside what I wanted to do and put my nose to the, to the grindstone. And the truth is, is that that I am so thankful that, that God has allowed me to do this great calling and, and it's radically changed my life. And I want to encourage you this morning that it will radically change your life. If you have ever had an encounter with God, people are going to criticize it. Can I say that this morning? I've learned real quick when I was in a seminary, I mean seminary, when I was, when I was there, um, I learned real quick that, that uh, if your encounters with God didn't look like theirs, then you was wrong. And, and, you know, and my school didn't necessarily teach that, but the culture of the people would, would do that. So I, I want to make that clear. I'm not talking bad about my school. I'm just saying that people have this mentality. And 
I've learned even, you know, even with putting Christmas trees on the platform and, and doing this kind of stuff, people are going to talk. And I have some better news for you. If you do good, people are going to talk. If you do bad, people are going to talk. So why not go ahead and do the good? Why not go ahead and commit and say, Lord, if they ridiculed you, they're going to ridicule me and I accept that. They may doubt what you have to say. They may, they may uh, speak against what you have to say. But with everything that comes against you, stand tall and tell the world all that God has done. Come on, somebody. Come on. And, and the truth is, is that if, and I look out over this group of people this morning and I see a lot of people that wasn't here when we started. And I see a lot of people that was here that are not here. And, and truth be told, I still can stand up here and say, look at what God has done. Look at what the Lord has done. Look at how people's lives are being changed. Look at how things are radically going in the direction that the Lord wanted it to go in. And you know what? That's what we done yesterday. We went out to, the, to our city. We stepped into our city. And we gave away water. I know that that don't seem like much to anybody, but you wasn't out there in the 90 degree weather. It was amazing for me. Come on, somebody. Get, you know, you know I, I needed a water. We pop a water open, we drink it. Thank the Lord for water. And, but you wasn't standing there whenever Karen, not this Karen, but another Karen, came to our tent and said, I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. And if it takes me standing out in 95, 96 degree weather holding a sign that says free water for Miss Karen to give her life back to the Lord, it was worth it. it that is us declaring the goodness of God. It, it's the same, the same story for Brian who came up to me and said, Pastor, will you just pray for me? He said, my wife has left me. I've divorced. I have nothing. I'm destroyed. I'm a broken man. And me to get to stand over him and say, God knows you. And He knows your name. And He knows who you are. And He cares about you. And the Bible says He's near to the brokenhearted. So He's right here in your presence. He's right here in your midst. If it takes me having to stand out in 92 degree weather to do that, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the shepherd who says, the Messiah is here. Good news is here. Great joy is here. All you have to do is just come to Him. Come on, somebody. And that's where we are. All of these encounters and more happened yesterday because Jesus has come and Jesus is able. He's come and He's able. He's come and He's able. He's able. Come on. And I just want you to hear that this morning. Pastor Joe, I, what you're preaching sounds real good, but that ain't for me. It is more for you than you ever want to realize. You might be in this room this morning and say, Pastor Joe, I've never felt closer to God than I have right now in my entire life. You might hover across your living room floor whenever the Spirit comes into your house. But the truth is, is that every single one of us needs to hear that God has a purpose for you. He has a design for you. And this design and this purpose isn't to build your own kingdom, but it's to build His kingdom. All you have to do is say, He's here. He's here. We've made it so complicated. We've made it so complicated because we're worried. 
I'm not telling you to invite people to your denomination. I'm not telling people telling you to invite people to your complete theology. What I'm telling you to do is just invite people to Jesus. Pastor Joe, what if nothing happens? It's on him. Y'all ever done that before? Y'all ever had somebody ask something of you and if you didn't do it, it didn't happen? And if it didn't happen, then whose fault was it? Yours. But it's easier for us to do things whenever that, if it don't work, it's on somebody else's shoulders, right? <laughs> I learned real quick that pastoring's hard. I don't have nobody to throw it back on if it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, Pastor Joe, you didn't do this. You're right. I messed up. I, I failed. See, whenever I was a youth pastor, I could always throw things back on my pastor. Oh, it didn't work? Yeah, it's his fault. <laughs> you know? But I want you to hear me this morning. What's stopping you from telling somebody about the good news of Jesus? Because if nothing happens on their end, that's on the Lord. Pastor Joe, I can't believe you'd say that. It's true. It's true. We're nothing but a bunch of stinky shepherds. Pastor Joe, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not in a good spot. Neither were the shepherds. Pastor Joe, I don't have it all together. Neither did the shepherds. I don't look the role. Neither did the shepherds. Only difference between us and them sometimes is they were faithful to go. That's the only thing between us and them that's different sometimes. Is they were faithful. I love what the Bible says. It says that whenever the angel of the Lord said it, they looked at each other and said, let's go see what's going on in Bethlehem. And they left. They left. And they'd done what they they'd done what they were commissioned to do. And they went and they saw. Now I want you to I want to make this statement and then I'm gonna I'm gonna close. I didn't even realize what time it was. Praise the Lord. But uh, here's the thing. It's hard for us to proclaim something that we don't behold. I think that might be sometimes why we have the problem. It's been a minute or two since we've beheld him. It's been a minute or two since we looked on him. It's been a minute or two since we spoke to Him. It's been a minute or two since we trusted Him. And it's been a minute or two since we found Him faithful. And that's not His fault. That's our fault. I challenge you this morning. We're in one of two places. We're in the, uh, the shoots getting ready to be fired off. Or we're in a lane of skeptical living where we say you know he can but will he and that's because we've not held him we've not beheld him we've not looked on him and I want to encourage you this morning either one of those places is an okay place to be in it's just all about what we do from this point forward come on somebody I hope that that everything we've done the past three weeks has begun to radically change the way that you view this particular time of year but not just that, but how you view your, your relationship with Jesus. Because He's here. He has come. But are we willing to say, yes, I'll do the, the, the unclean things, the untidy things like Mary and Joseph. Yes, I'll believe and trust your promises like Zachariah and Elizabeth. And yes, I'll go forward and proclaim the gospel like the shepherds did, even if my life doesn't reflect it in people's eyes.